deep breath because BJ Armstrong, you know the vibes. Woo, woo. Mo, am I woo. tired? Man, am I tired? Listen, the nap that I'm going to take after we finish recording this show is going to be the nap of all naps. I haven't slept in days because this trade deadline had me on the edge of my seat and it lived up to its expectations. The fans have been tweeting, asking for this show. So I thought, let's get it done. Let's get it in and break down all of the moves because it has been busy. It's been filled with drama. It's been filled with chaos. It's been amazing. In the UK, all of the trending topics were about the NBA today. So for anyone who tells you basketball isn't big, that's in the United Kingdom. All the trending topics, James Harden, Ben Simmons, whatever you want to call it, has been trending across the world. So BJ, man, I know your phone's been ringing off. I want to start. Where you want to start? business, So we appreciate you making time. But there's only yeah. one place we can start. Okay. The Boston... No, <laughs> the only ah. place we can start. <laughs> we'll get to the Celtics in a minute. But ben Simmons, <laughs> James Harden, the Philadelphia 76ers, and the Brooklyn Nets finally got it done in a deadline move that saw James Harden and Paul Millsap head over to the Philadelphia 76ers in exchange for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two draft picks. Now, it's interesting that the Sixers went from demanding draft picks to giving up draft picks, okay? And it's also interesting to me that the Nets got such a good return because they had no leverage. This morning, when they said James Harden was quote-unquote screaming to get out of Brooklyn, they lost all their leverage. If I was the Sixers, I would say, hey, look, this guy's going to leave you anyway. I'm going to give you Simmons and Danny Green. Take it or leave it. But they figured out a deal. BJ, what was your instant reaction? What were your thoughts when this deal first came up on your phone and you first heard about this? Wow, Mo, that's a lot to unpack. Well, I'm going to try to take our listeners behind the scenes and behind the curtain here. First, all right, as you know, Mo, a rule of thumb, you never go into any negotiation without any leverage. That's facts. And the thing that Philadelphia and Brooklyn have been doing this entire time is going back and forth to gain leverage, whether that's leverage in the media, whether that's leverage with your fan base or actual leverage for real by looking at the salary cap and the sheets and knowing what's real and what's not. Now, there's a, there's a thing that every executive knows. You're always on the, on the lookout for disgruntled stars. It's, 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 a known, it's a known fact in the NBA circle. When Vince Simmons made this decision, the first thing I said was, or the first thing I did was I went and I looked at my salary sheets and I said, that's the only player. Mo, yep. how long have I been telling you this? I said, that's the only he, guy. He first told me this in the summer, in yeah, the I last said, this, summer. I said, this is the only guy where this will work. Now it's just getting to a place where it actually works for everyone on their timeline. Mm. That, that's all it was. So the thing, the thing that amazed me about this entire trade was how it was reported because it was reported by a well-respected reporter, journalist here, Woj, and he said there wasn't conversations amongst the two teams. 
But at the same and, time, and at the Brian Windhorst was saying, Brian Windhorst was saying they talked this morning. They talked this afternoon. Just, They've been talking okay. for days. So it's like, who's giving the world that information? Yeah, yeah, and who's said, giving, you can see the two sides trying to play yes, each other. And that, and that was, that was the key for me because being a for, now I'm going to take you as a former executive. When you make a deal like this at the money and the money and the dollars we're talking about, the executives can only take the deal so far before the owners have to get in to consummate the deal. Okay. This deal doesn't get done with Daryl Morey and uh, Sean, Marks. Sean Marks. It doesn't get deal done with those. The owners have to come in and say, okay, what is it going to take to do the deal? And then when they talk, they have to figure out who's the buyer here and who's the seller. That's, th this is how it works. Yep. Now, you can tell by the way the deal happened that the deal was meant way more to Philadelphia than it did to Brooklyn. Yep. Big because time. as you mentioned, they went from wanting all of this stuff back to now they were giving. Yep. So, so clearly they were the buyers in this deal. Yep. <laughs> okay. And they did what they had to do to get the deal. And I'm going to give Sean Marks and the Brooklyn Next credit. They did an excellent job of receiving what they believe to be fair compensation for this player under duress, because that was a very difficult thing to do if you were the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. And when you look at it on paper, okay, when you look at it on paper, they received, talking about Brooklyn, Ben Simmons, yeah. Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first-round picks. Let's, let's just take it deeper than that for a sec. They received a top-five defender in the NBA in Ben Simmons. They received a big man to their very small team that lacks size, two big men, two seven-footers that can rebound the basketball, and they received a 40% three-point shooter that can fill the gap left by Joe Harris being injured right now. So it's, it's not just the names. Look at what they received in terms of the on-court product. Excellent. On paper, it looks great. And two, two first-round picks. First-round picks. Excellent job. So everyone took it to where it needed to get to, the, the, the executives did. And then the owners came in. And as you and I know, Mo, every deal gets done at the 11th hour. Yep. Okay. Every deal is going to get done at the 11th hour. N nothing changed here. Now, I thought, I thought both teams did an excellent job. I think both teams, it fits what they're trying to do. And I think it's a good deal, right? Some will say, well, Brooklyn won because they got the, the second round picks and Brooklyn won because they got, hey, it looks good on paper. In the end, this deal fits the timeline of both teams. You have two star players who were unhappy in their current situations. It works financially. And now, Mo, you and I get a chance to talk about basketball in between the lines because I'm so yep. sick yep. of talking about all of this stuff outside of the lines. But let's break that's down. how that deal let's, was done. Let's, let's, break down, let's break down the on-court bits. But before we do that, I have one more piece of basketball business to talk about with this trade, okay? James Harden is going to opt into his $43 million player option, okay? That means in six months from now, he can sign a $275 million extension 
That's worth five mm-hmm. years. So when James Harden is 38 years old, he will be earning $62 million. And our friend Bobby Marks over at ESPN called it the worst contract in the NBA. He says the way we talk about Russell Westbrook today is how we're going to talk about James Harden in the future. But I'm going to say this for everyone criticizing that move. You have to go all in. We spent so long talking about James Harden. It's, Joel it's MVP, understood. MVP. You have to go. You can't worry about paying money five years from now. Okay. You have to do what you can to win a championship this season, next season, the season after. In five years' time, you ain't got to worry about that, okay? There could be a jump in the salary cap, and that might not look so bad, okay? But I like this deal, but it's time to break down the real basketball, the real fit on the court for the Brooklyn Nets. Let's begin there, because I love this fit. Now, we can debate... Okay, will Ben Simmons fit in with Kyrie and KD on a personal level because we know how intense they are and how much they're going to want to push him? We could talk about that, but I want to talk about it like this. He's a top five defender in the NBA. He can guard any position. That means in any playoff series, he can match up with the best player on the other team. He can, not that he can, not, no one can stop Giannis, but he's got the strength and the size to match up and guard Giannis and his compo. Okay, you're going up against the Miami Heat. He can guard Jimmy Butler. You're going up against the Boston Celtics. He can guard or try to guard Jason Tatum. He is a fantastic defender. And that takes that pressure off Kevin Durant. That takes that pressure off because he can even guard smaller players. Takes the pressure off Kyrie Irving. So I love it on the defensive side of the basketball. I think all that sounds great. All that sounds, you know... Uh, in your generation mode, this is like 2K. It <laughs> sounds good until you actually get in real life. I'm not buying it, Mo. You're not buying the defense of Brooklyn with, with Ben Simmons. I'm not, I'm, 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 let me tell you why. Let me tell you why, Mo. Let me tell you why. Everything you said individually, he has the potential to do all of those things. Yes. Okay. Individually, he is a terrific defensive player. No denying that. But if you're going to be terrific as an individual defensive player, that means you have, and if you're going to win, because Brooklyn now, they aren't doing this deal to just get to the first or second round. They have to be a terrific team that defends. Rudy Gobert is a prime example. He is the best, one of the best if not the best individual defensive player in the yep. league. Yep. But every year when we get to the playoffs, we can isolate this individual defensive defender and we can put him in uncomfortable positions because the other four guys can't defend. You can run in this league in the regular season mode, but you can't hide once we get to the playoffs. I hear it. I hear it. Okay. Now I like, the defense that you just said with Ben Simmons, that was great. That was beautiful. And you're absolutely right. However, I don't see Kevin Durant doing this anytime soon. Him and Kyrie Irving, they play with a certain level of freedom. What you and I might consider a bad shot or early shot in this, in, on the shot clock, you got to let those guys play with a certain level of freedom. Yeah. There is no way possible that if they are shooting or the way they play on the offensive end with pace, because they're playing with a lot of pace, 
that they're going to be able to get back and be a good transition or a good defensive team. Uh, well, here's the thing about playing with pace. I don't think they played with a hell of a lot of pace with James Harden. They're going to play with a whole lot more pace now with Ben Simmons because you're getting a guy that once he rebounds exactly. the basketball, he's looking for those outlet passes or he's pushing long the ball shots himself. Equals long rebounds. Mm. Long shots equals long rebounds. Provided Ben can play. Ben, there's no way Ben's going to be in, in shape this year. We can talk about the Ben from last year, what we think he's going to do. Ben hasn't played. But neither had Kyrie, and Kyrie looked pretty good shape when he came back. Okay. And they're, they're on a nine-game losing streak. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mo, okay. at some point here, at some point here, <laughs> okay. they're on a nine-game losing streak. Okay, Currently. it's, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some okay. time. For he, him. He, did he Finn. score 20 points? Okay, he scored 20 points. They're on a nine-game losing streak right now. Okay, okay. But maybe not in the immediate first few games. Once he does get back in shape, once he does okay. get back into condition, we talked about the defense. Let's talk about the offense. There's a whole lot okay. less pressure on him now because he's not a number two option. He's not the second superstar in the team. He's a third He option. wasn't the number two option there... Last he was, year, he, was, he wasn't the number two option there the year before. When is it? When do we start playing and asking Ben Simmons to carry the team on the offensive end? They, the fans viewed him as the number two guy in Philadelphia. That the debate was: is the Simmons team or is this Embiid's team? Here okay. in Brooklyn, the, the role is defined. Okay. It's not all right. You could talk about this, but the fans are the whole reason he wanted to leave Philly because he didn't want to be booed. He didn't want the criticism. He didn't want the media criticism. That's the thing. We could talk about all the other stuff like we discussed yesterday, okay? But Ben Simmons, he is one player who does take into account what a fan think. Whereas now in Brooklyn, the roles are defined. This is Kevin Durant's team. And if it's not KD, it's Kyrie Irving. So you, his role in the offense is going to be very simple. He's going to push the ball in transition. He's going to fire the outlet passes or push the ball himself. And then in the half-court sets, I want you to remember when we were breaking down those games in the playoffs, the Brooklyn games, and we saw... Bruce Brown absolutely going off one game in the pick and roll with KD as the roll man when he was hitting all those little floaters on the short roll. That's going to be a seven-foot Ben Simmons now. So now when they use Ben Simmons as a screener in a pick and roll, he's playing like a big man. So he only has to finish around the bucket or he can pass out a short roll. Moreover, when they double-team Kevin Durant or when they double-team Kyrie Irving and he they, they pass the ball off to Ben Simmons, he's working with a numbers advantage. So it's going to be a four on three. So he's got passing options or he can go and run downhill and attack the paint himself without having to worry about Joel Embiid being inside the paint to clog the lane. I like the fit. I think it's a much better fit for him. And I do think that it can work out. I, I Sounds good on paper. I'm not, I'm not going to argue. All of this sounds great. Like... Okay, we, we can crown them the paper champions, Mo. I will crown them right now the champions <laughs> on paper. <laughs> it sounds good. He can, You can hit him on the short roll. He's a bigger version of Bruce Bowen or Bruce Brown, whoever. That sounds good. At what point is he going to get on the floor and start playing? Well, he... I don't care who you... I don't care who you are. It's going to take more than 30 games for you to get in shape. Okay? So you're saying this, I don't care you're, who you are. saying this season is I'm a write-off this for season Brooklyn. Is, absolutely. If it's, a, if it's not a write-off, wh why play? Just everyone should just not come back to after an All-Star weekend. If, if, it, if it's that easy and that simple, 
everyone should just sit out to after <laughs> All-Star weekend and then play after that. Why are we playing the game? Okay, okay. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I'm not mad at that because adding Ben Simmons extends the championship window of this Brooklyn Nets team for a much longer time had the trade not happened because otherwise they would have had to go all in with James Harden this year and then who knows what would have happened in the summer. So I think that their championship window has now been extended. But let's talk about the Philadelphia 76ers fit now. I want to know your thoughts on how James Harden and Joel Embiid, on paper, like you like to tell me, on paper, they can be great, okay? Elite guard, elite big man, one-two punch, great, great pick and roll. They can run a nice pick and roll. And, you know, Joel Embiid's finally got a great guard and they can both get to the free throw line a lot. But do you think that it's going to work in reality? Bearing in mind, this is the second team in just over a year that James Harden has forced his way off. Do you think that James Harden, because this is Joel Embiid's team, this is Embiid's team. He's the MVP candidate right now, the front runner for MVP. He needs the touches. He needs the ball down the stretch when he demands it. Do you think James Harden is going to fit in to that secondary role and accept that this is Joel Embiid's team? Or do you think Joel Embiid will make an adjustment to accommodate for James Harden? You know, great players always find a way to play. Okay. Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid now is a top three player in the NBA. Without question. If you if you said Joel Embiid, in my opinion, was the MVP. I'm not mad. I I I, I you can't be mad. He's he he is without question the most dominant interior player right now in the league. Okay. And that's saying a lot because Jokic won the MVP last year. Mm-hmm. And my man, you know, my man, Giannis. Okay. But Joel Embiid. G unit. unit. Yeah. And that's that G stand for grown man. Giannis a grown man now. Now, but Joel Embiid is a true big in every sense of the word. Now, let me tell you something here. We can talk about all the offense and James Harden scored 30 points. A game, a game, MVP, all of those things. This is a league, Mo. What have you done for me lately? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, let me, t- let me tell you something, Mo, about winning. We can talk about the offense because that's fun to talk about. And everyone wants to talk about short roll, mid roll, this guy step back, screen roll, who can stop these guys? Mo, what wins in this league? is on the other side of the ball. Yes. Now, Joel Embiid, as much as we want to talk about what he is on the offensive side. Oh, he's a monster. Let me give you a little secret about him. If Joel Embiid really set his focus, he is without question the defensive player of the year, too. Yep. He's a monster on the defensive And end. at some point, he will be the defensive player of the year. And, 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 and Mo, I have to say this. And he would, he would say this. As he gets in better shape, he, he can begin to give you the multiple efforts. Mm. Joel Embiid is as good on the defensive side of the ball as Akeem Olajuwon. He's got one problem. Oh. He's not in the... He's <laughs> not in the... Not yet. Not, not yet. He's the got one problem. Shot of all time. Not yet. Joel Embiid is bigger. He's just as quick. Reactions and all of that. He got the ability to recover, speed, quickness. Joel Embiid is just as good nah. as Akeem Olajuwon. Ah, man, listen. It's, 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 you, you, 
You don't have to believe me. I was the same guy telling you about John Morant. Y'all don't have to hey, believe hey, me. Hey, hey. I was the same guy I'll telling believe you about it when Evan Mobley. I'll believe it when I see Noel it. Envy. So you say he's as good to, as. He can say he's okay, almost as I've good as, or he to, can be as no, good No, no, no. Right now, he's MB, not as good as Prime Hakeem Olajuwon on the defensive side Joel of the ball. Joel Envy, I'm going to tell you why he is. Because he's bigger. He's got one problem. He's not in the... He's not in the condition as Akeem Olajuwon. There we go. Akeem, Akeem Olajuwon, in order to be this phenomenal player that we all keep saying these guys are, you have to be in incredible condition. There we go. Joel Embiid, he's probably on really at about 75 or 80%, which is an improvement. And you can see, and everybody knows this in the league. Let me tell you what everybody knows when no one says. No one can stop Joel Embiid. Oh, that's a fact. Everyone don't need to say it. Okay. That's a fact. And as he and, and the and as he continues to play and gets in better condition, he separates himself further and further away. I mean, he had to, he can't be in top condition because he had to sit out for like two years. Mm. But that's why I'm saying okay, he's not better than no the Kim one because he's look, you're saying he's at 75, 80%. You can say when he gets to 100%, okay. he'll be as good as Kim. You see somebody, when you see somebody can do the same things, the only reason he can't sustain it is because he's not in the condition to sustain, it, to sustain this. But when you see him do, like last night, he strips Chris Paul in the last minute of the game. I haven't seen a lot of bigs do that. He strips Chris Paul in the last minute of the game. Only guy I know could do that was Akeem I was Akeem Olajuwon. Who else can do that? Now, who else? Who else have you seen do it? I didn't see Patrick Ewing do it. I didn't see David Robertson doing it. Who else you want to talk? Who I didn't see okay, Kareem okay. doing you, that. You can say on his day. Or, or, but no, you, what I'm saying is, as he continues, as he if he continues to be health, if he's healthy for the next two years, because he will get in better shape. He will get in. If he's healthy, you will see him have a same level or a season like the dream. But you got to be okay. healthy to do it. There you we can't go. keep taking. You can't, you know, be injured. You can't have summers where you can't improve. You have to have. There's some luck involved, too. You have to continue to play. If he stays healthy, knock on wood, you will see him have a season where Mo and I will be like. MVP and defensive player of the year in the same year. Absolutely. And the championship. I'll believe it when Absolutely. I see it. But my okay. question to you now is, do you have the Philadelphia... Well, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you this okay. one okay. Do you Okay, okay. Do you think he's capable of doing it? Yeah, he is capable <laughs> of doing it. But he's oh, okay. not right that, now. Right now, if you're asking me to pick prime Hakeem Olajuwon or Joel Embiid... But you weren't saying that about Hakeem when he first came to the league. You weren't I saying was, that about Hakeem. I was born that year. <laughs> How could I have said it? Okay. Well, I was around. <laughs> People weren't saying they thought this guy was going to be MVP, defensive player of the year, and win a champion. No, no, no one was saying that. Larry Bird and all these guys around. This he evolved into that. Yeah. Okay, he but we're not comparing his that. rookie season to MB this season. We're comparing their primes. And right now, I'm picking Akima Lajon's prime any day of the week over the current form of Joel Embiid. Do I think he can be better when he gets in shape? Yeah, of course, because he can do more things. He can shoot the ball from the outside. You know, the, the way the game's going, he can be better. But right now, if I had to pick between the two, there's no way I'm picking this season's Joel Embiid over prime 
Hakeem Olajuwon. What There's no way. We're, if you say this season over the prime, Mo, that's not even a fair argument. But this is his prime season. This is his best season so far. So we take Hakeem's best season. Okay, and we I'm take not gonna. Okay, best let's move on. <laughs> let's, let's, so so let's, let's move on with this. Go. Do you think that now they've got James Harden, the Philadelphia 76ers can win the Eastern Conference? Of course they can win the Eastern Conference. Do you think they will? I'm I'm no, because championship caliber teams, they make moves on the other side of the ball. And what that, Milwaukee did. Uh, See, we, we're going to sit here. We're going to sit here. So nicely. <laughs> we're going to sit here and talk about all the offense of these other guys because it's fun to talk about. Oh, this is what Brooklyn, Kyrie. And, yeah. That, okay. That's great. I was, I was trying to set you up for my right. next point. I was trying to yeah. set you up for my next point because there was more. What trade. Milwaukee did, but what Let's talk Milwaukee about did Surge. is the follow. Okay. Search your back of the shot. Milwaukee blocker. did is they address what all championship teams know. I don't care about scoring. If I don't score, Mo, and you don't score, the score is 0-0. Zero, zero. That's a championship mentality. All of this screen roll. James Harden is not going to intimidate me on a screen roll if I'm Giannis and Serge Ibaka and Brooke Lopez. No. No. That's not I, – I don't care. But what I know I have to do to win that game is I got to get a stop. Yep. I got to get a stop. Mm. Now, Serge Ibaka addressed their need. They need another rim protector because their key rim protector, Brooke Lopez, is currently hurt. So they went out patiently, excuse me, they went out patiently and addressed that need. And I'm going to tell you this here right now. I'm not going to wait to two weeks from now or three. I don't know who else is going to be in the conference finals, but Milwaukee is going to be there. I hear it. So you can, Brooklyn, Miami, Chicago, and Philadelphia. I don't know who else is going to be there, but I'm going to tell you this right now. Giannis and company will be there now because mm. now they got a shot blocker. And I, I ain't even say they primary shot blocker because Gian, we already know what he can do on the well, defensive end. Well, that's why they need these guys here because then say you are playing against a team with a great bigger, Joel Embiid. You can put okay. these Brooke Lopez or Serge Ibaka on them and then Giannis comes and helps off the weak side and blocks that shot once it's going up. That's how the Milwaukee Bucks play their defense. I love that trade for the Milwaukee Bucks. Don't stop anybody I think in that, this league. I think that's the most underrated move of today is because it's it happened earlier. Every team in the league, every championship caliber team did the same thing. They addressed the other side of the ball. I'm saying underrated. I ain't heard no one talking Phoenix. about this except for us. Because yeah, not it's not the fun thing to talk about. Phoenix, they're the first or second best defensive team in the league. Milwaukee. And, and while we're talking about Phoenix, they made a trade today, which is fantastic. They went and reacquired Tory Craig, who missed the finals and stuff because he was injured. He went to sign in Indiana. But he's given them more wing depth. He can do what Jay Crowder does. You know, when I talked about the Suns on Absolutely. Sky Sports recently, and I said they need a little bit more depth in case someone gets injured. Now, if Bridges gets injured, if Crowder gets injured, they've got Tory Craig right there. I said today... We're going to have a rematch of those two in the finals, the Suns and the Bucks. I don't care about all the other stuff that's happened. Once they, those two made those moves, I tweeted out, because tonight they're playing each other, right? They're playing each other in Phoenix tonight. I said, here we're having a preview of the NBA finals. But I want to talk about the Eastern Conference again before we keep it moving. Miami okay. Heat didn't do anything. 
they're confident in themselves. You know, their organization, they've been saying- They should be, they should be. I respect it. The Chicago Bulls didn't do anything. There was rumors about them getting Jeremy Grant, but Jeremy Grant stayed in Detroit, much to the surprise of a lot of people. And, you know, Chicago didn't want to give up Patrick Williams, who's a very promising rookie. Obviously, he's out injured now. Uh, but when he's when he was a rookie, he was very promising. So, you know, they're going to get him back. But I like Miami Heat going for the chemistry and the continuity rather than changing things up. The Raptors, who I thought would acquire a, a five, a center, they went and acquired Thaddeus Young in a trade that I was surprised that they gave up a first-round pick for Thaddeus Young. I thought they were going after a big man in Jacopo. What do you think about that fit and Thaddeus Young and the Toronto Raptors? Because the East is wide open. You're saying Milwaukee's a lock for the conference finals, but then we've got Brooklyn, we've got Philly, we've got Miami, we've got even the Raptors have looked really strong recently. And there's a couple other teams we're going to talk about in a sec. What do you think about the Raptors moving forward at this point in the season? I think the Raptors have to be very careful because the Raptors are ahead of schedule. And when you get ahead of schedule, you have a, you, you have to, you have to exhibit patience because no one, myself included, I didn't think the Raptors would be this far along so soon. Mm. I didn't. I, I, I like Scotty Barnes. Did I think Scotty Barnes was going to be this impactful? He is, he's not like a traditional rookie because he's a really good defensive player. Normally you can see young players play on the offensive end, score some points, and then they will be behind on the defensive end. Well, this young man is playing a winning brand of basketball right out of the gate. He's a defensive player first and foremost. And then he's, you know, he's, he knows how to pass and do all of those things. And then his shot is going to get better. I think what they're trying to do is to get players that can play and add depth to their team and have serviceable players. Because when you look at this Toronto team, the thing that really bothers me as I watch them because they're winning is how many minutes those guys are playing. Those guys are yep. playing like 35, 38, oh, they play 40 some minutes. Overtime games, they played like 47 yeah, minutes and then 48 yes. in the next game. Yes. So I think Masai knows this. He's happy with where they're at but you got to get those guys off the floor because now they're starting to play too many minutes. And I think the coaching staff there, coach nurse, he knows it. You know, yep. the, you don't want to end up Masai like, knows at, it. Look at what happened to RJ Barrett the other night. He was playing yeah, extra minutes don't want, late in the game and picked up. That was horrible yeah. to see. So I think that's what they're trying to do. Thaddeus Young is a pro. He will not get in the way or the progress of his current players. And I don't think he's coming there to look into the start. So, Again, Masai, he, Masai just seems like he just does, he just does the, he, he just knows what to do. You know what I mean? Like, it, like I'll, in Masai, I'll, I'll, I'll give you this challenge. Name one bad trade Masai Ujiri has ever made. Because I was thinking about this the other day and I really struggled yeah, to think yeah, about yeah, a trade yeah, that he's ever, yeah, ever gone he's, wrong for him. He is yeah, he's, too good at what he does. As, as a fan of a team in the Easy Conference, I hate how good he is at putting off trades. But yeah, he, he he doesn't, he does, he's, he's, he's excellent what he does. Having said that, today, BJ, on the trade deadline, I was celebrating. I was, oh, I no. was here, I jumped out of my seat, and I was oh, dancing no. around my room. Bust out a little two-two skank for them, because, ladies and gentlemen, Ennis Freedom Cancer is no longer on the Boston Celtics. Gone are the days of watching him getting cooked completely and utterly he's off the team it has been a blessing and the celtics and gm brad stevens surprised me with how well they did i was actually shocked 
at how well they did. Not only did they get under the luxury tax, which was their objective, they got the steal of the trade deadline. I don't know how much San Antonio Spurs you've watched this season or last season, BJ, but Derek White. I could not believe that the Celtics got Derek White. Now, if you don't watch a lot of Spurs games, Derek White is a fantastic defender. The backcourt of Marcus Smart and Derek White, that is going to be mean. They're going to pick guys up and harass them for the full 48 minutes. You don't want to play against those guys. You know, I, I can't believe that the Celtics got Derek White. Fantastic, fantastic player. He's on a rookie extension contract, so it's not too much to pay. They traded, you know, Josh Richardson in exchange for him. And then they also traded Dennis Schroeder over to the Houston Rockets to bring back Daniel Tice, a player who knows the system, a player who knows the team. I think that was, yeah, fantastic. He knows how to play with Tatum and Brown very well. But I want to talk about Derek White, okay? Because he's had a little dip in his shooting this year. But I saw some numbers that really made me smile. Not only is he a 48% shooter from the corner three ball last season, but Derek White is, you know, a 32.3% catch and shoot scorer this year. But last season, because obviously the Spurs haven't been great this season. Last season, he was 37% on five attempts per game. But here's one thing that happens to role players in Boston. Josh Richardson, who was traded for, he was shooting 32% on the catch and shoot threes. But when he was in Boston, that number went up to 80%. When Evan Fournier was on the Magic, he was shooting 36%. When he came to Boston, he went to 55%. So if we can get Derek, Derek White shooting three ball at a 40% clip, scary hours. Because the defense the Celtics are playing right now, I don't know if you've been watching it, BJ. The defense oh, been has I've been, been amazing. The, and you talk about it all the time. Defense wins. So when now we're looking at it, if they can keep playing like this, they've got a point guard now in Derek White. So Marcus Mart has been assisting his guys and moving the ball perfectly. Tabor Brown have been making a concerted effort to make more plays for their teammates, keep the ball moving rather than isolate. They've been playing lockdown defense. I think they're the fourth best defense in the league now. That's They've been so good over the last two weeks that it's bumped them up for the whole season. We've got two killers who can isolate down a stretch in playoff games. We've got an excellent defense. Time Lord protecting the bucket. Tice, Horford, you can bring them off the bench now. I'm loving what I'm seeing. And I think we're trending. I don't want to speak too soon, but the Boston Celtics are trending in an upwards direction. BJ, what do you make of the state of the Celtics? Well, you're feeling good right now, and you should. I mean, that, that was a nice pickup. I've been feeling bad for the and, whole season, so I'm going to celebrate today. You know, you know what I always appreciate, Mo? I always appreciate this. is There are salary cap moves, transactional moves, salary dumps. Yep. And then there are basketball moves. And you know what I love about the Celtics? They made a nice basketball move. Daniel Tice is a nice move. Derek White, that's a nice move. It fits financially. But more importantly, those guys are good basketball players and they can help them as they continue on this journey of what ultimately, you know, what you want to do there in Boston. So I think it was a, I thought, I thought it was, you know, how, how do I want to term this? I thought this, these were very responsible trades because yeah. those guys worked. They identified the players. They identified financially. It's kind of like when you're shopping, you know what? You want to maximize the budget which you set for yourself. Well, you know what? They get an A+. Plus. Sound, yeah. It looks good. Sounds good. It helps the team. It fits what they're doing financially. The owners are happy. The fans should be happy. The players should be happy. And, and you know what? This could 
get them to advance past the first round. I, I like hey, hey, hey. I, I like Boston. You know, <laughs> I like what they're doing now. I love it. They're playing another. They're playing a, what I like, Mo, and what I've said here, and I'll continue to say it. I know those two guys can score. I'm not concerned about that. What I like about the Celtics, which isn't this isn't the 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 this isn't the 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 most exciting thing to say. I love the fact that they are playing on the other side of the ball. Mm-hmm. And because they're playing on the other side of the ball, now we're talking about winning. Yes. Okay. You see now, the smile on my face. Yeah. You, you, you can't uh, to score, especially in today's game. I'm not really impressed because you can't, you can't touch the guys. Everyone's playing with pace space. You should, you shoot these ill-advised threes. Everyone's playing isolation basketball. I'm not really impressed. Not because I'm an old guy. It's just that scoring. If you saw this guy score 30 points mm. against hand checking and all that, you're like, wow. I hear it. I hear good. it. That's so that's so many scores now, even if we look back yeah. 10 years ago. The amount of guys scoring yeah, exactly. over 30 points, the amount of guys that are averaging over 27 right now is triple the amount that was back in 2010, for example. But but what I really am and what I'm really impressed with is that you can see now that the culture of who this team could be, I'm not saying they are there yet, but they have shown a glimpse of saying, we're going to defend. Yes. I love that. Inject I mean, I, I really, like, you can see, you can see a little baby step. Now, the first sign of a, of a good team is you start winning the games you're supposed to win. Mm-hmm. That's what they're doing now. Now I want to see what they're going to do when they play against the better teams in this league. Mm -hmm. I like what Boston has done. You got to give them an A plus. I think they've done, they've done everything they could possibly do. They've identified the guys, all the scouts, all of the people should be happy, but now let's go play. And you're getting two other guys who I think are talented I think they're tough, who could fit into this brand of basketball. And I think the Celtics now are beginning to get an identity, which is the first step. Yep. And Derek White knows Ime Odoka from his time at the San Antonio Spurs. So Excellent pickup. I, I love it. And you can tell that's the player then that the coach has had a conversation with the front office and said, I like this guy. Can we go and get him? Unlike certain other teams, we just heard about Tom Thibodeau didn't want the Knicks to trade for Cam Reddish and they still went and traded for him anyway. So we got to talk about one more big trade and then we'll break down into a few other things. The other big trade that happened today was the Dallas Mavericks trading Chris Tapp's Paul Zingis for Spencer Dinwiddie. And because it's compulsory for the Mavericks organization to have a big European big man on their team, Davis Bertans. I don't know what it is with these these Latvian guys that they love and these Eastern European guys, but they went and got Davis Bertans. And for me, Davis Bertans has been one of the worst players in the NBA this season. Ever since he signed that huge contract, he's not lived up to it. I think Spencer Dinwiddie has not played up to what we expected him to play. And adding them to this team, it was confusing to me until I looked at the numbers. We could talk about the basketball fit, but I want to talk about the numbers first. Because they've essentially traded Chris Atspozingis' huge bad contract, the 36 million or whatever he's owed, for two smaller but also bad contracts, 17 mil and 18 mil each. Okay. 
But the reason they've done this is because they think it'll be easier to move either one of these guys because let's say Davis Bertans comes in and now his three-point shooting is back because he looks good playing alongside Luka Doncic who can find him for easy looks. Let's say he starts scoring three balls again. They could trade him off to another team. Spencer Dimity comes in, you could play him in a sixth-man role and he's good insurance if Jalen Brunson leaves. Say he looks good, you could trade him because then in 2023 to 2024, the Mavericks are going to have maximum cap room to pair a superstar with Luka Doncic, who is only 22 years old. So I think the Mavericks have realized they ain't winning nothing this year or next year. But 23-24, if they can recruit someone to come and play with Luka Doncic, Chris Porzingis would be eligible for his player option that year, which is 36 mil. They've taken that off the table. They said, we're going to clear this cap room. So I'm looking for them to trade Bertans and Dinwiddie over the next two seasons. But I like what they've done from a financial sense. From a basketball sense, I think they've got worse this season. But what's your take on that move? Well, I have to give Dallas front office credit because, you know, I think this deal was done with the following. First, you know, they, they have to address the elephant in the room for next year in this, you know, summer for free agency with Brunson. Jalen Brunson is going to be a free agent. Mm-hmm. Jalen they- Brunson will probably command a certain level because he's worked hard, he's played well, and he's playing excellent basketball, and he probably will command a certain level. Okay. And, and they just extended Dorian Finney-Smith for four years, 52 million. So I don't know if they're going to have the money to pay him. You can do whatever you want to do. Now, without saying it, this is what they're saying. We will only go to a certain level. And if we can't get to that level, let me make sure that I have a secondary ball handler who can play and can shoot because Luka Doncic is the primary ball handler. Yeah. Well, that guy is Spencer Dinwiddie. See, that to me is that, that to me is excellent. That's excellent doing because you're saying, I get it. You drafted Brunson. Brunson has developed and he probably will command something maybe we're not willing to go I, to. I think a team will overpay, not overpay, but pay more than what Dallas would hey, be willing to pay. Whatever you get, that's what you're worth. Yeah, okay. fair enough. Now, so Spencer Dinwiddie is the insurance if that doesn't work. Yeah. Okay. Bertans, on the other hand, is the following. Like, this guy can shoot. You don't, it's like riding a bike. You just don't forget how to ride a bike. The problem is he they're not playing a brand of basketball that fits him. You yeah. know, Kyle Kuzma now is getting those minutes, so forth and so on. Well, so he was, I think this is good. He was shooting 42% from three two seasons ago. Last season he shot 39%, 40%. This season he's dropped down to 30%. So okay. maybe th- a new Scenery and he will improve with Luca. You know why he's going to improve with Luca because he's going to get over shots. Yep, and he's going to improve and he's not going to complain. Porzingis would complain about being stuck in the corner waiting to catch a shooter three, whereas Bertans that's his game. This is, I want to make sure I say this and I say this on here. I want to go back to Porzingis when he came into this league. I want to give credit for the New York Knicks (laughs) for trading 
Porzingis. Yep. Because there were a lot of people who were sitting here on these microphones and were saying, how dare them trade the, the unicorn? How dare they trade this guy? How did and Porzingis has early in his career, he showed glimpses and he's, you know, he, he I thought he's playing better. I thought he was rounding into shape this year. And I like Porzingis. But suddenly now you go from that in New York City to suddenly now where, you know, you're going, man, I just hope, you know, he can play, stay healthy, get healthy and play. So give the New York Knicks staff credit for whatever the reasons may have been to trade him that they knew something or spotted something that they, because I think they would have kept him if he wanted to stay there, but it sounds like what's reported that he didn't want to stay there. Mm. So give the New York Knicks credit. He comes to Dallas and you saw glimpses. You were like, God, if, they, if those guys could make it, you, you're like, they could be something special, but it didn't work. And now Dallas moved on. And hopefully for Brazingas, he can get healthy because you're nothing without your health. So mm. hopefully he can get healthy and become the player that we all thought. Now he's in a situation where Porzingis at his at his height and Kuzma that should be interesting right Bradley Beal if he comes back there who knows what's going to happen but you know I didn't expect Porzingis to get moved so this is a very interesting trade and uh, hopefully it works out for everyone but I definitely understand what Dallas was doing and I understand Washington they're getting a player. And if it works out, I mean, you're getting, you know, yeah. you're getting a nice player. They uh, also sent Aaron Holiday to the Phoenix Suns and they shaved some cash. I don't know if Phoenix is going to keep him on the roster. If they do, that's another third string guard they can keep. But they also moved Montrez Harrell over to the Charlotte Hornets in exchange for Vernon Carey and Ish Smith. What do you make of that? Because I'm not sure about nice. the fit of, I'm not sure about the fit of Montrez in Charlotte. I, I, I like it. I, I, I really like, I like Montrez there. I really really like Montrez. And here's why. If you watch the Charlotte Hornets play, they have no interior threats whatsoever on both sides of the ball. No disrespect to anyone's currently. They have no, 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 no. interior threats. Now, Montrez can catch alley-oops. Montrez can score. And then that will free up LaMelo. That will free up Miles. Yeah, because I, I, they they get out. You know, they have. I just Oubre. thought they got for someone more defensive, though, because Montrez isn't oh, really. No, Montre- Mon- he really isn't what. I don't think he's an elite defender. How many elite defenders are there at the at the at the five? I don't know, but some some level of rim protection because he's undersized okay. at that five position. Okay, okay, give me a name. But I, if I was if I was the Charlotte Hornets, I would have been looking at trying to get Miles Turner. Or I would have been looking at even Rashawn Holmes, I think, is a better defender than Montrezl Harrell. Okay, so if you're asking me, again, let's do the trades. You look at the basketball part component. You look at the financial component. Montrezl Harrell is on a nice deal. I think he's like on a mid-level deal. You're going to get nice production at the money that you're playing with. I don't think you're going to find too much better at that number. I don't think you're going to find too much. You're, going to, you're not going to get Montrez is a man down there on that box. He may not be a rim protector, but let me tell you something. No one's bullying Montrez Harrell. I feel you. <laughs> okay. But for the similar money as Rashawn Holmes. Okay. 
Montrez is a better offensive player because your best player can deliver the ball with the best of them. I like Holmes. Montrez is capable of doing a 2015 in the playoffs. I don't know that about. I hear it. I I hear it. I hear it. You you follow what you follow what I'm saying. And you can throw the ball to him and he can score a little bit. Yeah. He can go get you a bucket. We seen him do that when he he was when he was with the Lakers. I I like, I, I think, this Clippers, fits their sorry. team. Clippers, not the Lakers. Yeah. That wasn't a good the, season. The, yeah. The, the Clippers, he can score the ball down there a little bit. Yeah. He and, and I like and, his toughness, and, though. I do like the toughness. And, he get, because and that's what you, you took the words out of my mouth. He gives them toughness. Mark. Because LaMelo's not a tough, tough guy. Gordon Hayward I, is I, definitely not a tough guy. Miles Bridges like is a bit Trez. of a dog. I like Miles Bridges, but I like what Trez will bring to that locker room. I think I think that's a good move for them. I think it's a good trade for them. And I, I think it fits financially where they're where they are. He's at got one year left at nine mil. He's got one year left, so they can reevaluate that. See, and, they, they, you know, but I, I love it. And, and he's a serviceable player. When I say serviceable, he is in the rotation of the majority of the. I want to say every team in the league. He will find a way to, to the court. I don't care what team he's playing for. Yeah. So one more deal that we got to talk about is we've already spoken about the Milwaukee element of this, Serge Ibaka. But it was part of a four-team deal that saw the Sacramento Kings get DiVincenzo, Josh Jackson, and Trey Lyles. The Clippers got Rodney Hood and Shemi Ojale, and the Detroit Pistons received Marvin Bagley. I like that for Detroit because they want to see what Marvin Bagley can offer them outside of Sacramento. Was that just not a good fit? Because he was drafted, you know, in the lottery quite high up. Can he show off the potential that got him there? Gives Kay Cunningham a lob threat to play with. Playing with that, you know, elite point guard might help the game for him. For the Clippers, they're just making money moves with Rodney Hood and Shamey Ojolay. But for the Kings, BJ, I love this trade for the Kings. Adding Dante DiVincenzo, you know, had having, like, even aside from this trade, let's look at what they've done in totality over the last two days because they made two days. They got rid of Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, Marvin Bagley, Tristan Thompson, and no first-round picks. In exchange, they received DeMontis Sabonis, Dante DiVincenzo, Justin Holiday, Trey Lyles, Jeremy Lamb, and Josh Jackson. They are now a completely different team. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys. They're a completely different team now. I think they can really challenge for those playing spots. And really and truly, I wouldn't be surprised if they won one or two of those games. I, I, you know, just listening to you, it, it, it's great because, again, they – they made terrific basketball moves. You know, yes. I, I watched the game last night. Hopefully, my, my good friend Jack was watching the game last night. Yep. He, You should have seen the way he celebrated. The, the, you have to excuse the cruisingness. He texted in the morning. He said he had a Sabona watching the game for Sabonis. Hey, so, you know what? He, he, that's how he, happy he Sabonis was. was. Sabonis was great. I know it's only one game. But you can see the potential. You can see, oh, Sabonis and Fox, they can play together. That two-man game was nice. Harrison Barnes, because Sabonis is a very underrated passer as a big. I think he had like five or six assists last yep, night. He's an excellent passer and playmaker. So I, I like the fact he, he could rebound the ball, dribble it out a little bit. So what you're seeing is the following. They're adding talent, depth. You hear me say this all the time. You have to have depth in this league. Okay. Mm. Jeremy Lamb, nice pickup. Uh, Holiday, nice pickup. Josh Jackson, nice pickup. You know, you got this kid, uh, Dante DeVincenzo. Vince, how you pronounce it? DeVincenzo, nice pickup. 
Trey Lyles, nice pickup. Now they're now they're starting to have players. You're saying, okay, they they have about seven, eight, nine guys now who are legitimate NBA rotational players. I think the business beneficiary, and I said this before they even played one game with the trade, is De'Aaron Fox. I think mm. he will shine. He will shine. Why? Because he's playing with the big who knows how to play. Mm-hmm. And I think this is an excellent, excellent move for the Kings. I think the Kings realistically should be anywhere from six to ten. I'm going to say something, and I want you to tell me if it's crazy. Right now, the Sacramento Kings are better than the Los Angeles Lakers. Is that crazy? Well, crazy. No, that crazy? it's not crazy. Because, no, no, because it's not crazy. The Lakers made zero moves. Okay, let's go back to 2018 when the LeBron James Cavs were struggling a little bit. They were 31 and 22. And Colby Altman, the general manager, traded six players and a pick in three separate deals to completely overhaul the roster and Cleveland made it back to the finals. Today, the Lakers have a worse record. They're 26 and 30. And their front office did absolutely nothing. Now, they don't have those mid-range, mid-level contracts that helped orchestrate those moves. But that's only because their front office did such a bad job in the summer, trading all of those mid-level guys for Russell Westbrook to the Washington Wizards. If they had not made that trade and they still had the Kuzmas and the Harrells and all these mid-level guys that had tradable contracts, they could have made some moves to improve this team. But they didn't. They're looking on the buyout market for guys that can help them. And will they find one or two gems because someone wants to come and play with LeBron and live in LA? Yeah, I think they could. But they should have made a move today. There was reports that they were discussing a trade with the Houston Rockets that would have involved Russell Westbrook, Talon Horton Tucker, and 2027 first-round pick, a pick which I think will be very valuable because in five years, I don't even know if the Lakers will still be good after LeBron is gone. Okay, in exchange for John Wall and Christian Wood. I think that would have been an excellent trade for the Lakers, but they didn't do it. So the Lakers standing pat, do you think there's any way now that they can turn this season around? Listen, you know, it seemed like every day I tried not to talk about the Lakers. (laughs) I talk about the Lakers. They don't even make a trade, and I'm talking about the Lakers. And this is the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Listen. You know, Mo, I, I'm going to go back to the beginning here. The Lakers won the NBA championship in the bubble. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was a shortened season. Everyone was on the fly. You had COVID, you had the bubble, you had all of these things and all the adversity. And when all it, when all the smoke cleared, the Lakers were the last team standing. Literally. Literally. I mean, yeah. I mean, and give them credit. Yep. Okay. Anthony Davis, you go, oh, that's why they got Anthony Davis. And, you know, they had JaVale McGee and the combination of JaVale McGee and, 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 uh, Dwight Howard, Howard, LeBron James, suddenly Rondo. Yeah, Rondo anchor. Rondo was anchoring the second unit. You know, they gave Danny Green a lot of flack, but you know what? He defended. Mm-hmm. He did his job. He was. He did his job. See uh, what, what Caldwell. You know Caldwell Pope. 
KCP, he did his job. He defended. It worked. And I'm going to tell you something, Mo. When your team gives you that type of effort, they earned the right the following year to defend that championship, Mo. Yep. See, this is – I'm not going I'm not going to get into all of this stuff that's going on now. They earned that right, Mo. Yep. To defend because they didn't get a chance to play an 82-game season. They didn't get a chance to finish the season. They went straight from the season abruptly ending or suspended right to the bubble. And when it's all cleared, because everybody had the same problems, Mo, mm-hmm. they won the championship. Now, they go to the next season, Mo, and they get cute. They get Schroeder, uh, Harrell, you know, two guys that were the sixth man of the year the season before. And then they, they then they, they had to get the, the big guy uh, from Toronto. Um, Marcus O. Marcus O. See, Mo, that team gave you the effort. Mo, when someone gives you effort and energy, Mo, there is no replacement. You can't and, coach and, and effort. I watched the game against Portland and there was no effort down the stretch. The game was what was Whoa, fascinating. The game against Portland. Did you see the other night where Russell Westbrook sat and they blame Russell Westbrook for their problems? Mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook wasn't playing. Okay. Playing. It's a two point game. And there's a five second difference in the game and the shot clock. You hear LeBron James saying, don't foul, don't foul. Cause they want to get a stop and go down the other way and tie it, send it to overtime or hit a three and win. They get Justice Winslow shoots the three. You know Justice Winslow is going to miss. He's not a three-point shooter, okay? He shoots like 20% from downtown. You know the three ball is going to rebound long, okay? Long shots, long rebounds. Basketball 101. That shot goes up, and four of the five Lakers did not put a body on their man. There was no boxing out. They weren't paying attention. The ball rebounds long. Portland catch it. End of the game. There was no intensity. There was no effort. And that's the final possession on a game that you need to win against the Portland team that just traded half the squad and don't even have their full rotation. And that, for me, said it all about the league. Well said. Mo, well said. I said it on Sky TV. I said, say what you want to about Russell Westbrook. He shows up. Yep. Mo, he shows yep. up. He plays with the effort, okay. regardless of the shots going in or not. So, he gives it. Now, if you want to argue his decision making and all that, okay, that's another. That's a that, valid. You know, ill-advised shots. Okay, maybe he does sometimes. Decision making with the ball. With okay, maybe, but he shows up. Mm-hmm. He doesn't play last night. And Mo, I texted you last night. I said, now who are we gonna blame now? Mm-hmm. I texted to you, Mo. Yep. Oh, I said, now who are we going to blame? Yep. So th- the problem, Mo, it's very obvious to me that when they won that championship, they changed the team and you changed the dynamic. They had a, a, they had a team that worked. When you find something that works in this league, Mo, you go with it. Yep. And they started tinkering they started they, they they with the exception of ad and lebron they started tinkering with everything else yep and oh, well, look, Pope, look at how it ended they ended up bringing back dwight howard this season they no, ended up bringing back rondo this season, even though they went and traded him recently like exactly and, and the dwight howard they brought back was not the same dwight howard that they had 
because the team was different. The team was different. LeBron James, this, that season, he led the league in assists. You, you understand, Mo, when you find something that works, LeBron James that season led the team in assists. Why? Because they had what we call vertical players. Look at JaVale McGee right now. Mm-hmm. I was just about to say this. JaVale McGee, Golden State Warriors, two championships. Guess the Lakers wins the championship. Guess the Phoenix Suns this season. I'm thinking championship two. Is JaVale McGee secretly the MVP of the NBA? The most valuable player. (laughs) JaVale McGee is interesting in today's game. Why? But any big that does this, because they can do something that doesn't require you to run a play for. If you have a guard that can get in the paint, there's only one, the last line of defense is the big. Yep. You can't rotate to a seven footer playing vertical basketball with a little guy. Yep. This is why Chris Paul and Devin Booker are, I mean, look, those guys are excellent anyway, but when you have vertical players, DeAndre Ayton, JaVale McGee, Bismack Biombo, all of those guys can do what? They can catch the lob. Mm-hmm. Now, Rudy Gobert and all those other bigs, they have to make a decision. And what's the decision more times than not? He might miss the jump shot, but he more than likely 99% of the time, he's going to make that alley-oop dunk. Yep. And you have to have bigs who can play vertical basketball because guess what you're trying to do in the playoffs? You're just trying to score any way you can, Mo. Yep. And Mo, you're playing against the best defensive team. That's why you're in the finals. Yep. So it gets harder to score. But if you have a guy that can just catch an alley-oop because he can get to the lane, like Steph Curry or, or Devin Booker or Chris Paul, Mo, suddenly mm-hmm. now that guy is of value. Do you realize every time Drew Holiday goes to the basket, he didn't have to worry about anybody trying to block his shot. Why? Because no one's leaving Giannis. <laughs> yep. No one's going to leave Giannis. Mm-hmm. So Drew Holiday scores. You know why he's scoring right now? Because that lane is wide open, Mo. And then to really make sure it's wide open, Brooke Lopez is probably the only legit stretch five in the NBA. Oh, he shoots the ball at a great clip. Okay, so Mo, that's a huge advantage for any guard. So are we saying it's going to be a Suns box? Because because now the trade deadline's over. We've seen everyone make their moves. Right now, as it stands, I'm saying Suns box to this point. The Lakers have failed me. Brooklyn, they might get it together. They might not. Suns Bucks is looking the most likely finals. Is that what you're saying too? Mo, I'm saying this. It's one thing I know I can do consistently every night. I can give the effort and energy on the defensive end. And what I'm saying right now, if we aren't shooting well in the league, I always take away the offense. Let's say everyone is not playing well. Who has, who has the best defense to keep them in the game when they're not playing well? I feel you. Right now, the Phoenix Suns. Yep. Okay. The Warriors go to, go, back. go to state last night. 
Did you watch Golden State last night? Right. Oh, they were horrible. Golden State. They have. They. they you can see. You can start. You can see the problems without Draymond. Right. Clearly, yep. when Draymond comes, he's going to feel those gaps. They're not. They're not the Warriors without Draymond. But Steve Kerr said something that was interesting. He was like, last. He was like, we looked little last night. Here's a team that they were the leading organization for small ball. Mm-hmm. These bigs now are beginning, and they're learning how to play against small ball. Yep, and and the thing is though with the small ball is they had great defenders in that six foot six, six foot seven range. They had Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, Andre Godala, Sean Livingston. So anytime they switch, you're still being guarded by a guy who has so even though it is small ball, those guys are still not that small. Steph mm-hmm. is just the small guy that was out there with them. Whereas right. now with the team that they've got, they don't have Sean Livingston. Andre Godala is a lot older. Clay Thompson yeah. coming off an injury. Draymond Green is not there. So I can see the holes in it. So they need to make yes. sure they get healthy. Clay Thompson gets back to full fitness. Right. Andre Iguodala kind of preserves himself for the for the playoffs because otherwise, well, he's got to. He's got to. He's up there in age right now. And and this is what I'm saying. And Milwaukee, see, to let, yesterday, Milwaukee just put a smile on my face. They just put a. I was like, oh, they're just. They were just laying in the weeds, waiting on the right player. They just found the right player. Yep, because you know what? If they Serge win this year, they should, thank the Clip- as well. they should thank the Clippers because the Clippers gave them a gift. I thought the Bulls, because we talked about them earlier, I thought the Bulls, that was a team that I thought if I were the Bulls, I would have really tried to go after him, Serge yep. Ibaka. Because when you watch the Bulls, the Bulls don't have a rim protector. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't have all the offense, but defense is just not defense. there. You need rim protection. And the Bulls, they're right there. I mean, they got two guys who can score with the best of them. And but they I, need I, some I rim just protection. I want to say one thing, as great as rim protection is as well, Serge Ibaka is shooting 38, 39% from you know, 3.9 I, I, I really like, I, I really like this move from Milwaukee because, you know, listen, I don't know if he's as consistent from three as Brooke. No, Brooke Lopez was 50%. <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to tell you this. Serge Ibaka will be able to mimic that. And I think that's good enough. And when Brooke comes back, back. they got Serge Ibaka and Bobby Portis and coming Brooke, off the bench. And I think I think it's true. I really like, yeah, I think it really. So I think they will, if, if I, I'll say it, I think they're about to go on a run now yeah. after All-Star. I think they're going to go on a run. And I think they're going to really, really make a statement because I think now you're going to see the teams begin to ramp up a little bit. And what my man Giannis did out here in LA, that wasn't a mistake. He came out here and oh, put everybody that was big on time. notice. That was big time. He's, he ain't playing he no put, games. He came, out here, he came out here to let everybody know. AD, I'm the you best can't player hold in the me. league. LeBron, your time's up. It's his league now. Facts. And I think now he went out. They got what they need now. And I think they're about to go on a run. Because they got the best player. They got the best player, I think, on both sides of the ball. Man, so, listen. I can't wait for the rest of the season. Oh, I man. can't I, wait I, to I'm see what up. happens in the playoffs. And guess what the best part of this is, BJ? Guess what okay, the best part is? Here's the best part of this, Mo. The okay. best part of this is I think the date is May 10th. Okay. The Brooklyn Nets are, are supposed to play in Philadelphia. Yep. Can we be at that game? Because when you say okay. lit... When you say okay. hype, when you okay. say the fan base in Philly, can you imagine 
how loud it's going to be in that arena when Ben Simmons, when the, when the plane lands. Man, listen, say no more, BJ. Let's do it. Let's put it in the calendar now. Cheesesteaks on me when we land. We'll get down there. We'll get to the game. Give the people what they, let's give the people what they want. Live broadcast from the parking lot because it's going to be so right. lit. But let me tell you the real best part of all of this. Okay. Until May the 10th, which is in, you know, three months from now. Until May the 10th. <laughs> until the playoffs. Until the finals. Until the championship trophy is listed. And even after that, throughout the summer and all, we're here every day. The best podcast in the world, if I do say so myself. Monday to Friday, every morning in your headphones, three-time champion, BJ Armstrong, Mo Muncy, we're rocking with you. You're rocking with the best. This has been a bumper episode, and we've got you up to speed with all of the trades that you need to know about. We want to hear from you. Right now, tweet at us with your predictions for the NBA Finals. Now the moves have been made, we've seen which chess pieces are being played on the board, the trade deadline's over. Tweet at us with your predictions, okay? Your predictions for the NBA Finals, and we'll review them when the finals begin. And We might get a couple of you on the show to discuss your picks with us. How does that sound, yes. BJ? That sounds beautiful. I know I said May 10th. I meant March 10th. Oh, Mo. oh, even soon. I'll see you next month. Mo, we got to be there. I'll, I'll tell you what. We got to make you what, this I'll happen. I'll tell you what. March the 13th. Is it March the 13th? We're going to be in March Boston 10th. for uh, KG's next, retirement, so we can do both. March 10th, Nets at Sixers. Yep. And that and game is talking Lions, about hype. Nice sports arena. At, hey, hey, hey. Say no more. We need, to, we need to be, Mo, we need to be doing that game. Okay. Watch along, live March, along. March 10th, we're going to be in Philly. March 13th, we're going to be in Boston as KG's jersey goes up into the rafters. And until then, we're talking. still going to be rocking with you. All right, visa approved. We're going to be out there. Okay, international mo. Take your flight across the sea. BJ, I'll see you soon, my brother. Thank you for rocking with us for another episode. Thank you to all of our listeners. I saw all the love. I saw everyone asking for this episode. It's super long. We've just literally recorded this as soon as we could after BJ got off the phone, you know, with all these deals going on, he's got to take care of his players too. We recorded this as soon as we could for you guys. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, please, please do share with your friends. If you've got any friends who like basketball, let them know they need to be listening to this. Leave us a review so we can keep growing this. And next week, we've got some exciting news for you guys. That's all I'm going to leave you with. Be ready for Monday. Enjoy your weekends. Enjoy the Super. Before we go, BJ, give me your Super Bowl prediction. Who's winning that? Oh, man. Don't... I got to go with the Rams. I live in LA. I'm going with the yeah? Rams. I... Is it the Odell Beckham team? Is that yeah, Odell Beckham's you know, team? Yeah, yeah, that's Odell. Yeah, that's Odell. Yeah, that's his team. Yeah, I'm going for the other. I'm going for the other squad. N- Joe, Joe Burrow. I love Odell Beckham Jr. because he's one of the only NFL players I know. But they told me the other team is like the Memphis Grizzlies. They said they're the underdogs. They're the young. Oh, yeah, team, yeah, that's, that's true. That's yeah. true. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, going that's, for the other teams. They, they're going to be on the Grizzly. That, I'm going for the Bengals. Is that what they call them? Uh, uh, yes. And the jerseys look yeah. hard. The green, no, no, the orange and the black jersey. I think it looks hard. So anyway, enjoy your Super Bowl Sunday. Enjoy your NBA Sundays, NBA Saturdays. We're going to be rocking with you on Monday with a very, very special episode. So do not miss Monday's show. And until next time, get buckets.